another episode of Block Talk. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. We love a link tree because it's got all the ways you can help support Block Talk. Visit linktree.com slash michaelblocktalk to click on the links. We've got a link to Redbubble where you can purchase all of your Block Talk merchandise from t-shirts to mugs to hoodies to totes available in a variety of styles. Another link has all the platforms you can listen to the podcast, plus links to PayPal and buy me a coffee should you feel a desire to tip a host. And as always, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit TheInTheNow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. All it takes is a two-tone lip and a big old beard to know who you're about to see. Coming to us straight from Boston, it's me and just JP. Hey, How are you? hey! Thank you so much. That was such a lovely introduction. Thank you so much. Happy to be here in the pod. Uh, I am glad you liked the introduction. I'm a writer. I like to write things, and I'm glad it's it's acknowledged that it's good writing. It comes through. Yes, Thank you. Well, welcome. You have been here before, but this is the you're finally here for the solo interview. Yes, I've been lucky enough. A few questions. Yes, I've been lucky enough to uh, be here for a few recaps. Yes, yes. Now we're gonna recap my life, which is exciting. Yeah, this is that's what's gonna be the fun part. We're going to uh, go through every single part. We're gonna go through traumas. No, I'm sorry, this isn't Drag Race. We're not going through traumas. Um, But we'll we'll dive into uh, some fun things that have happened to you. Um, But before we learn about the drag part of your life, we got to start from the beginning. Where are you from? I'm born and raised in El Salvador, Central America. I mm-hmm. uh, moved to the States when I was 20, and that was about uh, 11, almost 12 years ago. I didn't ask for the age. The lady offered the age for you. Do you the math? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I am an Aries, so my birthday is around the March, April area in the calendar. So mark it down so you can send me a little tip on Venmo. And uh, yeah, that's the uh, what age, sex, location, right? Um, and I, <laughs> I am gender queer. There we go. Now we got it. We got it all. All right, El Salvador. What was it like growing up as a child in El Salvador? Hi. Um, I have a cat. His name is Charlie, and he <laughs> will occasionally um, interject. Well, growing up in El Salvador, I had um, a unique upbringing because Mm. I grew up with my dad who had me very late uh, in his life. He was 66 when he had me. And then my mom moved to the States um, because there there was a big civil war in the 80s and um, she and the rest of her or most of the rest of her family wanted to come to the States to escape the violence, but also to get more money for more opportunities. So Uh, My mom left El Salvador when I was a year old, and that was already a plan that she had from before I was born, Mm -hmm. Um, or so I came to find out later in life. When all the puzzle pieces fall, I'm like, (laughs) chef kiss. Anyways, so I grew up just with my dad, uh, very, very Catholic. It was like the third most Catholic person in the world. It was like the Pope, the Archbishop, and then him. (laughs) Um, So I was... Uh, a church kid, really, because I had no choice. Um, and El Salvador is very religious. Sure. 
Um, it is the only country in the whole world that is literally named after God, El Salvador mm-hmm. means savior. So that's that's how religious it is. So at times it was a little difficult as a closeted queer kid that didn't know what the word closeted or queer meant. Sure. What were what were some of your hobbies growing up in El Salvador? Oh, ooh. Um, my hobby was getting really good grades in school and being, being an insufferable know-it-all. Um, I was what people would consider a quote unquote gifted kid, Mm -hmm. um, which meant that when I graduated high school, I crashed and burned and that's the other chapter of my life. Welcome Um, to my world too. Hey, um, but okay. So my hobbies, I, um, yeah, I poured a lot to school. I loved pop music when I was starting to learn from it from my classmates uh, once they started talking to me. Because I was three years younger than the rest of the folks mm-hmm. in my class. So it took years to build any type of trust or like friendship sure. um, and many, many tries. So when I was able to access that part of the world through my classmates, I became obsessed with Christina Aguilera and just like pop culture in general, but through a very narrow, how can I get this past my dad? He loved the Backstreet Boys. And I'm okay. like, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're Christian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Go with that. My dad didn't know any English. He knew a little mm. bit of French and Spanish. So they're like, and, uh, and I'm like, oh, they're thinking about Jesus, you know? Yeah, anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, pop culture and doing good in school. Now, when you say pop culture, is that the Americana version of pop culture? Mm. Well, um, El Salvador has a very American... Uh, or uh, idolizes the American way of living. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of U.S. influence. Um, when I was a kid, it took about a year for movies after they were released in the States to be released in El Salvador. So I had that delay. Um, also, like, albums didn't ship to El Salvador sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, But then we also have the Spanish music part of it. And yeah, I used to listen to this. I've always been interested in media. I guess that's the other hobby that I forgot Mm -hmm. about. But now I'm going to mention. I got obsessed with pop culture, but I got obsessed with a specific radio station. It was uh, 102.5 FM La Femenina that's still going on. Mm -hmm. It's like the um, longest running pop ish music station in El Salvador and I was so obsessed it was the only uh, radio station that I would listen to and it had a really healthy mix um healthy it had a um it had a really accessible mix for me because it had about 50 percent like pop-ish in English uh pop music-ish in English and then 50 percent more like rock music in Spanish mm-hmm. So it had that interesting, like, we catered to, like, the bubblegum pop divas. Of course. But also we're playing, like, uh, Caramelo de Cianuro in, uh, 
Equinopuesta and other like rock, uh, metal, ska bands. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that 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 was my first catalyst on like pop culture. I would be obsessed with the uh, top 11 that they would do every week. Um, I would tally every week. I would write it down. And then I basically with other fans, we would discuss about the code or the, you want to crack the code, right? Sure. Uh, on how they tabulated their end of the year, 111 mm-hmm. songs. And then I remember it was four or five years in a row in which that day, which is always on December 30th from 2 p.m. to midnight, um, that I would sit there and I would be like, okay, I got this one right. And like, oh no, I got this one flipped. And it was kind of like really fun for me. Yeah, I I, I have to say um, growing up in the New York, New Jersey area, we had Z100 and um, they would do their end of the year um, countdown. For a while, it was like um, between like uh, Christmas Eve until the end of the year, there would be no live shows. It would just be on cycle. Uh-huh. Um, and I would always be like, okay, I think I know what it's going to be. I didn't do the tabulation, but I was like, ah, I listen to the radio enough. I think these are the songs. And I'd be like, how the fuck did this song make it here? I never heard it. Uh-huh. And I was like, wait, that's how radio works. It's all about the money. It's who it, gives them the money first. It really is. And I didn't understand that either. Because when I started um, separating from the radio and going more into like internet pop forums, I would I would come to, the, to my favorite DJs because um, we're still called I mean I guess that's what you call it right just, anyways, mm-hmm. um, I would I would tell them I'm like oh my god this new song just came out you should play it but it doesn't work that way I'm like yeah. in my mind I'm I'm like Hillary Duff's agent in El Salvador like, <laughs> can you please play her new song and nobody did um, or uh, Ashley Tisdale was the other one that mm-hmm. put out a song mm-hmm. and I'm like can you play this and they were like uh no sure. that sounds like a rip from the internet and I'm like oh, whatever um yeah so that that to me was really exciting those days of like figuring out that i get this right or not now you said that your dad spoke spanish a little bit of french growing up what did you speak so i grew up uh learning spanish and when i was five in first grade no five in second grade when I was five in second grade, my dad was like, I need to put you, I need to enroll you in a bilingual school because mm-hmm. English is going to be the greatest gift that I am going to give you in your life. He was right. Yep. He was right. Dad, I know you're listening because you eavesdropped in life. So you're eavesdropping in death. You were right. You were absolutely right. Anyways. Um, so when I was five he enrolled me in this bilingual school that sucked because they called themselves bilingual but it really wasn't Mm -hmm. and then for third grade he researched uh, a little better I guess and enrolled me in this school that it was an eight hour school day and four hours were in English and four hours were in Spanish so we had our Spanish subjects like uh language and math and science and uh uh political studies would be the literal translation like civics question mark yeah social uh, studies yeah, social studies yeah right 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 and then in english uh, we would have um reading spelling oral conversation and grammar so those mm-hmm. were the four english subjects 
until we got to, and I stayed at that school, Escuela Bilingüe Tazumal. Um, I stayed at that school from third grade until I graduated high school. Did you get to teach your dad English? No, but there was a contest at that radio station that I had mm -hmm. already won and I wanted another pair of tickets. So I tried to have my dad call and say that the answer to the question was we belong together by Mariah Carey. And he could not, <laughs> he could not pronounce we belong together. And I'm like, dad, what the hell? <laughs> Damn it. All right. Let's talk about the journey to America. What brought you to the States? So my mom left when I was a year old, uh, looking for better opportunities for herself and for me. And um, she was able to get her permanent residency. And then she uh, put in the request with immigration so I could emigrate to the United States. Mm -hmm. Then 9-11 happened and they got kicked out. So she had to reapply. And this time the wait was longer. And I finally was able to move to the States on December 22nd, 2011. Amazing. And where, what, what state did you come to? So I came to Boston where my mom used mm -hmm. to live um, for a month because I had to, because I had to wait for my documents to arrive, like my green sure. card, my social security card, whatever. But funnily enough, I, um, kind of like every again like all the puzzle pieces kind of fell into place um at this time I was 20 I had been in the workforce for four years because mm -hmm. my first job was at 16 and um and um at that moment I was working for an American company that outsourced their call centers uh, to El Salvador because we have a lot of young people that speak English sure. um and a lot of people that speak English because they were deported from the States. But that's a different political conversation that right. we can get into another time. <laughs> um, so I was working for a company that um, at that time, two of their folks at headquarters in Memphis were going on maternity leave at the same time. And they needed somebody like, they needed to hire somebody else because otherwise the team was going to be without any of their text, uh, like uh, tech support or like additional support. Sure. Um, and that happened basically like a couple, like we knew that they were going to maternity leave maybe like a couple months before I knew that I got my residency. Cause the moment that I knew that I got my residency, it was maybe like a week before I actually moved. Mm -hmm. So the moment I got my residency, I went to my boss in the States. Uh, and I was like, hey, I happen to be moving to the States. Like, this is kind of like my two week notice, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be. Would you consider me going to Memphis to, you know, pitch in while these two people were out? But in my mind, I'm like, this is strategy because I have no desire to go to Memphis. Right, I'm going right. to be living I'm going to be living with my employer and the age difference. I didn't think of that. I was closer to their kids than mm -hmm. their employees. And because I was living with them, it was a very weird dynamic, um, a very loving household. 
and um, they never treated me wrong. Like they were really great people in that aspect. But all I wanted is to come to the States with a work reference. Because if I had a good work reference in the States, then me getting a job in Boston would have been much easier. And it was. So it was kind of like strategizing my whole game of life. Um, (laughs) And I was really proud of that. I'm like, yes, um, I made it happen. So Memphis. Yes. Memphis. Hated it. What's good in Memphis besides like the ribs? That's really the only thing I did. So I went to this. (laughs) We went, so, okay, you also have to, uh, some other context of this time of my life. I did not have a car. I didn't even know mm-hmm. how to drive a car. I did not have a driver's license. There is no public um, public uh, transportation infrastructure in Memphis. There was no way for me to like go out by myself. They were not also going to let me go out by myself because like you're a foreigner. You just got here, sure. you, know? you know, which fair, fine. Um, so they took me to eat ribs downtown they took me to a hotel uh that had a has a famous duck walk every mm-hmm. afternoon yep yep super cute they took me to the shooting range a couple of times and that was so fun that was so okay so okay fun. okay um and they took me like they took i, I mean uh i went to many places around like bartlett tennessee which is like let's say like mall in Massachusetts or whatever, mm-hmm. like a, a town really outside of, of, of the big city. Um, so we went to a lot of like local places, but we really didn't go anywhere else because they were also like, we want to live our lives. We're not here to be your tour guide. And I just wanted to stay home because mm-hmm. that's when I discovered Drag Race. Um, was Drag Race your queer awakening? No. No, 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 no. My queer awakening was the OC. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, who made you gay in that one? Uh, Ryan Atwood. Hello. Okay, okay. Uh, what's his name? Benjamin McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Hi, you're listening. <laughs> that yeah. show is so bad. It's so bad. Well, it's, it's so um, bad. It was great for me at that time. So I didn't understand oh, sure. what the, I didn't understand what the word gay was because I was raised Catholic. We didn't talk right. about these things. Um, although I remember when I was around 10, I asked my dad, how am I gonna have kids through my dick? And um, that that to be now looking back, I'm like, that was such a big like flag. And I don't I don't understand you know why I didn't get catch it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure he gave you a great answer. Because if, if my child came to me with that question, I'd be like, so what can I give you to tell you to make sure you never ask that question ever again? Right. He um, he decided to go kind of like I'm ignoring the question. The question didn't exist. Uh, route. He was like, you can't and said nothing. So I was like, OK, I said nothing. But my queer awakening was the OC. I remember uh, on Channel 12 at like 2 30 p.m no it has to be a little later than that like 3 30 p.m they would play the oc i did not watch it for the plot i watched it for benjamin mckenzie california here you come yes and i was Mm -hmm. all right let's talk about drag now you mentioned drag race was that how drag entered your life 
I saw drag queens in El Salvador. Mm. But it wasn't something that I thought that I would want to do. Sure. Um, I wanted, I was still, um, the egg hadn't cracked as uh, trans community say, like I, I hadn't realized my gender journey yet. So I mm. wanted to conform to masculinity. So drag was not in my radar. Um, although I performed, I was kind of like the host question mark of uh, Sunday mass at 11 a.m. I would be the person would be like, welcome. Today we are celebrating this saint. We will be reading the Termi whatever and John whoever. Um, and then I would like read the intro to things and like introduce different things. So I was hosting mass basically. <laughs> um, so I was always a performer. Um, as a, earlier in my life, my dad, who was a writer, among many other things, would make me learn his poetry and recite it from memory, which was very useful because then mm -hmm. I was able to read from like age two-ish, which yeah. is, you know, uh, until I quit when I was around eight and I told my dad that I wasn't going to do it again. Um, and he had to, like, there was nothing he could do. So I was always performing, but drag wasn't a thing even then, even watching drag on television, it was season six. I remember watching Bianca Lario and thinking, wow, she was funny. Um, operating word was. And uh, yeah, I was like, I want to like. I don't think the I don't think it was like, I want to be her. I'm like, that's really cool sure. that, that that exists. Like, this is exciting. Um, but I didn't see myself as, oh, I'm going to do drag until way later. Let's discuss it. What is the origin story of your drag name and persona? Yes. So the person to blame is my friend Titus. Hi, Titus. He is uh, the first domino on the domino effect towards drag. Mm -hmm. He gifted me a dollar store glow-in-the-dark nail polish. Uh-oh. And that was, and I remember it. Like that's I'm never gonna forget core memory. Uh and uh and he was like because I mentioned it casually, and then he's like he gave it to me, I guess. I really don't remember the preamble to that situation. Um so I started doing nail art. Uh I didn't know that a nail art community existed online. I just posted them <laughs> on my insta. Yeah. And it got really, I was really obsessed at one point. At one point I was doing new nail art every day after work. And it was, it was a lot. It was yeah. a lot, uh, but I was very proud of it. I mean, I almost dabbled into that a little bit pre COVID I was doing nails. Um, and then when I was like, wait, I need to start measuring the actual nail size to people. I was like, that's just too much work. Forget it. Um, it is. Uh, but then, uh, cause I was going to like ha do a company and my, the name was going to be nailed by daddy. Ooh. Yeah. So I might do it one day. Uh, but I had it like, that was the only talent in the drag realm that I had. I was not going to do hair. I makeup is not going to be a thing. But I could do nails. Nails nails were a thing that I could do and be a part of the community that way. Yeah. So I understand the the love for it and, and the artistic drive for it, but then it, it gets it's tedious. 
yes did you um make nails for like your friends or do you i did them? i did make nails for a couple people i made some nails for a couple pageants and shit um oh, cute. yeah it was a lot of fun and then it just got too much work and then because i was like i i'm not gonna waste my time and do two nails in every single size and they're not gonna use them i was like no and then COVID happened i was like i'm not doing anything creative i hate my life yeah 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 there's that jump in um there's that jump in expectations from Mm -hmm. other people when you monetize your hobbies exactly it's no longer oh my god i'm having fun with this it's also like i'm having fun with this but they better like it otherwise they're gonna want their money back literally how would you describe jp in three words Oh, ooh, um, JP is, uh, whoa, whoa, uh, oh, wait, uh, I love so many things about myself. I can't just pick three things. Uh, <laughs> um, JP is, uh, fun, fair, and fabulous. Love it. Alliteration. We love it all the time. Now yep. we, we did kind of jump ahead and skip ahead a bit. Um, but how what just JP became yep. your name because what what how do we get there? Because I didn't really like the idea of changing my name. Mm-hmm. And I've always had a very troubled relationship with my name. Um, as my uh dead name is a French name, but I was living in El Salvador, which was a, or is a Spanish-speaking country, but then worked in a workplace that spoke English. So I couldn't go anywhere without people mispronouncing my name and then thinking that I was a woman. And now I'm like, hello, another red, not red flag, another queer flag that Mm -hmm. that I didn't catch. Um, so when I started working um, in this English-speaking American companies, I didn't like using my first name uh, because of that. Because I'm like, I'm a man. I'm not a woman. Uh, little that I know. And uh, I decided to use a uh, Englishized, an English version of my middle name instead. But that didn't really fit because... I always had an accent. I still have a weird accent. And then like my accent before was even more unconventional. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, somebody at work suggested JP and I really liked that because it was my initials. And then I had it changed. Uh, so in my ID, my legal name is uh, first name JP. So I am literally just JP. I'm here for it. How long does it take to transform into just JP? Well, are we doing a photo shoot? Are we doing a brunch? Oh, we- I see. I see there's different um, the levels. Yeah. Like, am I doing like a charity show where I'm, you know, and, you know, it's like, uh, where you get what you get. Well, I didn't want to put it that way, but yes, you get, <laughs> like you get like the normal type, just JP. Um, but What's the range? Okay, so if I let's say, oh my God, um, Candace just texted me. I have I have uh, I have a show at eight thirty right now at seven thirty four. Um, somebody dropped out. Can you do it? I would be able to do it. 
like 15 minutes to get to the gig, 15 minutes to do my paint, 15 minutes to get ready. Yeah, like I can do that. Um, and I know many songs and many varieties or genres that I would feel confident saying, like, just play something, whatever. I don't right. care. Like, you know. But then if I'm doing a photo shoot with like Eric Magnuson, right, or Matt or Rodrigo, like if I'm doing a, uh, Adriana, if I'm doing a photo shoot in which like, okay, I'm going to use these photos for, you know, my Insta and for flyers and things like that. I like to take like two, two and a half hours, like makeup and then getting dressed and all that. Um, I fell out of love with makeup. And that's why I learned how to paint so quickly, because to me, the joy in makeup wasn't, oh, my God, let me try new products. Let me try new things, new techniques. Let me do things that I usually wouldn't do. To me, the joy of makeup was how can I finish this the quickest? Because <laughs> I don't want to deal, you know. So that's how the lip came about. Is this a good time? Sure. You can mention it. OK, that's how the lip came about, um, about six months into my quote unquote career when I when I was realizing that I wanted to do drag I sat myself down and I said I need to figure out something unique somewhere in my face that I can do consistently that I haven't seen anywhere else and that I it won't take me forever to accomplish and the lip came about um and uh yeah that's something that I I could be rushing with everything but I take my time to make sure that the lip is crisp one thing that I remind people when they ask me why I don't do drag is I'm a perfectionist. I have slight OCD. If my, if I were to paint, it would take me an entire 12 hours to do yeah. it because I would never, ever, ever be satisfied. Never going to happen. So I understand. I get that dilemma. Yeah. But when it comes to the lip, I'm sure you have tried every combination under the sun. What is the favorite go-to color combo? I always love to do um, the small stripe white mm -hmm. because I think a white lip is such a serve. If you're sure. able to pull off a white lip, oh, such a serve. So I love to do one of them white and then um, uh, I match whatever color I'm doing with my makeup. Uh, but usually I, I mean, I love a nude just like mm -hmm, a nude mm -hmm. with some glitter and then a matte white is such a delicious combo because you have then the contrast also with texture you have like a glitter lip and then you have a matte um i don't use gloss sorry um also because gloss is difficult to keep it's true sharp line so um yeah it's either matte or glitterified white with another vibrant color well, I mean, so we, I did later on have a question from one of the fans, Amanda Massacre, wanted to know about the signature, the beat. So we got the answer here. Hey. Uh, but she um, noted while we're watching Drag Race Philippines uh, that Miss Mama Pow is doing like lip contour. So she's very obsessed with lips. Um, yes. Have you ever played around with a lip contour? Not really. Um, I, when I, when I fell into the lip, into the, sh uh, signature just jp chevron lip i should i should um trademark that you uh, should when i when i fell into my chevron lip i really didn't do anything else with lips i also um i usually keep 
my mustache connected to my beard. Mm-hmm. So I can't paint outside the lines, basically, sure. my lips. And thankfully, I have some lips. Thank you, mom and dad. Um, <laughs> so uh, otherwise, I would have gotten injections already. Because, yeah, like, I, I, I need a lip because I, I am confined by my beard. Uh, so I really haven't played, um, but I love what she's doing. Also as yeah. a host, she's great. I yes. love her as a host. She's blunt. She's very blunt. Yes. Um, all right. You are a bearded queen. Yes. What are the biggest misconceptions of bearded drag? Um, the biggest one is that it's lazy. Mm-hmm. And just because I happen to be lazy doesn't mean that bearded drag is lazy. Um, bearded drag, uh, there's so many categories to it. There's so many ways of doing it. Like uh, if uh, if you're privileged enough to have a full beard and you want the full beard like I do, you know, it's great. It's all about like grooming and making sure that it's, it looks good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you have a full beard, you can even like color it in or um, like, Lucy Stuhl does from Chicago. She always like paints that crisp black line to um, accentuate the highlight that's right underneath her. Co- like, yeah, it's really pretty. Uh, you can do like many kings uh, do glittery uh, glitter, be- well, uh, shiny glitter beards. And, mm-hmm. uh, and people like Champagne who color their beard in all the time. So, um, there are so many aspects of bearded drag that's so many bearded uh, drag artists tap into that I think that the uh, the judgment of Lacey, I feel like it, it falls short. It's like, yes, there is, or there may be less skin for some of us where makeup goes on, but that doesn't mean that we lack attention to detail. Absolutely. Yeah. When it comes to getting ready, what are your traditions? Um, my traditions is to make sure that I have some type of WEED available to me. Of course. Um, uh, always shave my brows. That's basically really the only part of my face that I shave, which is quite funny because most other drag performers, or not, there are other drag performers, especially in my scene, that they shave everything but their eyebrows. And I'm like, oh my God, we're exact opposites. <laughs> cool. Well, everyone knows that I have um, the biggest trauma when it comes to shaved brows. Like, I, it just it breaks my heart sometimes. Um, but I understand. I get it. I know why. Yeah. And they, like, just, they, they just yeah. accentuate the face, as, as y'all know, when you draw it on. Yeah. It, a good brow can make a good beat. It really does. Well, it frames your face. It really uh, does. I am lucky that I have, a, I, I have a full beard. So in that way, I have something else that already frames my face. So when yeah. I don't have eyebrows, then... Uh, some people haven't. Uh, some people don't notice. Some people at work didn't notice that I shaved my brows. Yeah. And it's not like I paint my brows for the day. I really don't. I don't have time. For that. <laughs> um, now, makeup. Yes. Favorite products. Who are you, who are your go tos? Uh, okay. Um. I. I really okay. I also um. I like to keep it simple. If it works for me, why am I gonna change it? Um. Why am I going to spend more money on makeup to try 
no. And I'm not going to go to Sephora or Ulta and ask for samples. It's just not going to happen. So I have my true and tried. This is what I use. I use Meron cream blend sticks in alabaster and light tan. I use a really cheap uh, off-brand power press powders that I get from Amazon. Oops. Uh, to um, highlight and uh, set my face. Um, oh, no, no, no. But you have like, okay, the makeup product, the makeup product to me is Ben Nye Neutral Set. There it is. Ben Nye Neutral Set is the best powder. Well, maybe that's that's not the right thing to say. Uh, for me, Ben Nye Neutral Set has proven effective in keeping my makeup on my face and not on my masks consistently for the past three years. That's it amazing. Has, yes. Um, if you go to my Insta and one of my like same stories, whatever, is me in the shower, uh, like full force shower and putting my face in it and it not running anywhere. And that is the power, the power of the powder. Mm -hmm. set. It does have it. it does have talc in it. So uh for people that uh you know have uterus, then that can be a problem because it can be a carcinogenic. So that's why mm -hmm. I'm like when I said best, I'm like maybe not best, but that's what I works for uh, you. It works for me. All right. So in, in line with uh, Drag Race Philippines, let's say Patrick Starr comes to you and says, We want to make the just P just JP Allet. Um, we're going to play, play on words. Just play, yes, play on words. Yes, I have feelings. What colors? What colors? Yes, I have feelings. Okay, so um, the Perfect Drag Palette, I think that um, actually um, Blend Bunny Cosmetics just put out a palette, not sponsored, mm -hmm. but hey, uh, Blend Bunny Cosmetics just put out a, pa a palette that I absolutely love. Empty Heart, my really dear friend and collaborator. Um, and he knows makeup and he loves trying new stuff. So he's really the one that I learned like my new staples from this palette. Okay. It has a big pot of white, a mm -hmm. big pot of black, matte white, matte black. Even if it's shitty, doesn't matter. A black and a white, big pots. And then uh, a red, orange, yellow, blue, green, purple, matte. All right, there's your palette. Really? And from there, yeah, you can add other finishes. Like that palette I really love because it has like the vibrant colors. Then it has like a darker row of the same colors. And it has a lighter like pastel row of the same colors. Mm -hmm. And then it has a fourth row of those four col uh, six colors on a like pressed glitter. Sure. The pressed glitter is not that great. It's a pressed shimmer glitter combo. Uh, it's not that great. It gets the work done, um, uh, but the mats are beautiful. Like to me, to me, it's not a good drag palette if it doesn't have a matte black and a matte white. Now, when it comes to drag, both in and out, who are some of your inspirations? Um, I was inspired at some point by Bianca the Rio that was mm -hmm. that was the person that I was like oh my god right um Katya also Katya was local but I didn't come up on the scene I started going out to drag shows locally 
the moment season seven was announced. So no I I got to meet the tail end of Katya as a local girl. Gotcha. Um uh but in from my scene, like uh champagne, champagne is a huge inspiration to me. Uh their makeup is incredible and there was one time uh, early in my drag career that I needed a roommate and she needed an apartment. So they actually ended up moving in with me. And that was a moment in which I kind of like realized that I had to put more effort into my makeup because champagne was going to be there. <laughs> right. So Sham is a huge inspiration to me. Violence exclamation point, a huge inspiration. Uh, like writing parodies and being funny um, and uh, doing things out of the ordinary. And yeah, uh, yeah I love that. Um, I'm blanking. <laughs> hey, there are a lot of people. I'm sure we might mention some names later on. But now when it comes to putting a look together, yes. what's your process? Does it fit? That's very important. That's really the first thing is, does it fit? Um, does it cover the seams of my breastplate? Mm -hmm. um, does it, is there an opportunity for a nip slip? Because I really don't want to have nip slips. Um, and uh, we have a very tight knit drag and burlesque community in Boston. So mm most of us in drag are like yeah like we don't show nipples uh in support um of our burlesque um uh, comrades um so is there a possibility of a nip slip and how to prevent that right um and does it fit the theme um i don't like themes i like doing whatever i want i, I like i know i know how to entertain a crowd um and even though i love pop culture it, now i'm in a time of my life in which I have so many comfort favorites that watching something new is really difficult for me or listening yeah. to something new is really difficult for me. I really buy into the brand, the Gaga brand, the Beyonce brand, you know, the Mariah brand. So to me, listening to like indie artists is difficult because I kind of been like brainwashing that anyways. Um, and then, so putting a look together is like, what am I wearing? And then what makeup can I do that can look, the best with the many outfits that I need to wear and uh if it's a theme if for example like I'm doing no filter um is figuring out you know like what number do I want to do then creating the mix and then after knowing what the mix is and like what my gags quote unquote are going to be or like what do I want to do with it then making sure that the outfit fits that what comes first the look or the lips the look the lips uh, the lips depend on the look. That's one of the last things I do is my lips. Now, obviously you're known for the lips. Yes. What is something unique about you that a lot of drag artists recently in the past year or so have gone away from is wearing a mask during performance. Mm -hmm. Let's discuss why wearing a mask is important for you. Um, it is important for me because I... I don't, I, I just don't want to get sick. I don't want to get my friends sick. Um, I don't want to lose work because of getting sick. Um, and I mean, yeah, COVID is a big thing, right? But then like, there's like regular colds and regular like mm -hmm. flu season, right? And then there's, um, 
I'm a singer. I love to sing while I'm performing. And sometimes it's uncomfortable when you shower the person that's tipping in front of you because you're like spit, 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 because I'm like sure. singing. So um, it also helps with that. It's like I can be, I can, I can be as aggressive, as aggressive with my singing, knowing that there's zero percent chance that the person in front of me is going to get a, you know, just full of my spit. <laughs> Have you? experienced any pushback from either audience members or venues oh, yeah. about your desire to wear a mask not venues because i think they know better uh, because if, like if you say that masks are uh what is it like masks are um not even recommend they're optional right if you say that masks yeah. are optional then that means that if i'm wearing mine you should have no problem so thankfully venues right. have been great um backstage staff at venues have been very thankful because in my position as a drag producer I deal with uh like sound engineers and um like backstage folks and and um many other people in venues that they still wear their masks because they're part of the entertainment business and they don't mm -hmm. want to get sick they don't want to lose work there is no such thing now as unemployment for them anymore so these people behind the scenes in some venues still wear masks so they are thankful for that mm -hmm. but the general public tips me less which is fine um they uh it's like i've accepted it like i'm not gonna get as tip as other people um recently have people started being more uh um emboldened to ask like why are you wearing your masks or mm -hmm. even like they would pull it off of my face without my consent no! yes yes it happens sorry to report but it's true um yeah it happens at this venue uh that i work often that i can't say the name but if you know me you can deduce what venue it is i'm there so regularly for shows and um Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's getting bad. And I'm telling people, so it's gotten to a point in which I realized that I cannot have a heartfelt conversation with somebody who's drunk at the club, who just wants to see my face. You know what I mean? That's not the place to like go into conversations on mask use. So I say, uh, Oh, I wear my mask because it makes me feel the safest. And um, I hope that this is also a safe space for you. Are you having fun? And yeah, I yeah. always like change the topic. Sorry, I'll say that again without the snap. I always change the topic because <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to upset them because ultimately, like, I want them to like me because right, I right. want to be tipped. But I notice that people don't take videos of me. They don't post me on their stories. Uh, I'm tipless. Um, thankfully, booking agents aren't looking at my mask wearing and at least not to my face saying like, this is a reason why we're not going to book you, uh, thankfully. Um, and they also don't comment on it. And um, I also understand that although I wish more drag performers would do it, um, you know, ultimately it is not my place to dictate how other people do drag. Absolutely.
Have you felt like it's impeded your performance at all? Or have you been able to adapt with the mask? I've been able to adapt. Um, Sometimes it gets frustrating, especially after, because I wash them semi-regularly. But the they degrade over time and the um the plastic because it's it's a plastic uh front with mm. mask lining around it so you sure. still get the benefit of the mask with the window um oh people who are hard of hearing and or uh deaf um have been so thankful when i perform or when i'm out with them because they can read my lips so that's another Absolutely. like upside on like why I like to use those. But, you know, wear and tear, like the plastic is not as see-through. Like there are scratches and smudges that won't come out. And it's hot air that I'm blowing from my, uh, my, my, my mouth. So <laughs> they get foggy sometimes and people can see me lip sync. So that's why I also like to sing out loud because if I get close to you, you will hear me singing, meaning sure. that I know the words. Yeah. Let's discuss the Boston drag scene. Ooh. Obviously, I am from New York. Mm-hmm. My scene is New York. I went to school in Boston. Never, ever went to a show while I was at school. That's okay. Where so, do you go to school? BU, baby. BU, baby. Okay, okay, okay. Um. For those who have never been to a show in Boston, how would you describe Boston drag? All right. I'm going to be the annoying guest and I'm going to ask you a question as an answer. Go for it. Do you think New York has one drag scene or several drag scenes? Way too many that we that are slowly getting intertwined, thankfully. We're we're becoming a big happy family and by oh, happy wow. We're tolerating each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> in New York, there are multiple scenes. Yeah. The same as in Boston. I um, say uh, rather a spicy way, a spicy opinion or a spicy way of putting this opinion that there is not a Boston drag scene. There are Boston drag cliques. Okay. Uh, there are people that, you know, work within a specific scene and work with specific people and they have a consistent stream of performers. Thankfully, the scenes or the the cliques um, are good, uh, some more than others, at hiring uh, people outside of their cliques uh, for the most part and, like, having a diverse diverse, uh, performer roster um, in their shows. There is a big king scene um mm-hmm. in uh boston and i have to give a lot of props to uh jaden jameson case and J- say that again jaden jameson ka st james um who is who has fathered like 50 plus drag kings through his king for a day show uh and now empty heart who's uh through the drag stroll like there's so many new kings and then so many other kings in between that have, you know, shown many people that kingdom is beautiful, you know, Absolutely. like, uh, so, so, so that's really great. Like we have, uh, we have Rusty Hammer and uh, Travis D, Mike Cock, uh, like really great performers that elevate what, you know, the, the kingdom can be, um, which is really, really cool, really nice. 
Now in New York, we are very much the kind of shows where maybe hosts by one person, two person, people, hour long, two hour long, one look, no changing. That's all you get. This is the show. What's it like in Boston? Most of the shows um, are not like that. Um, Most of the shows, if you have a club show, it's a DJ for about three and a half hours. Then you have, you know, a drag performance and people are expected to have a walk around what in New York, they call it a tiptoe. As I learned, I hope I remember that right. Anyways, uh, I, I, I still use walk around most of most of my click still uses walk around. <laughs> yeah, you have a walk around and then you have a performance outfit and you're expected question mark. Uh, there is an expectation that you have a different look for each number. So if you're doing two numbers, you have two mm-hmm. looks. Um, unless, unless the unless the drag uh, director or show director or whatever tells you, you know, like it's okay to only do one look, which sometimes and I, happens. And I think that's the other big difference between our scenes is we don't do the show director thing. We don't have that kind of thing. It's the the bar, the hire. That's it. You, you deal, do it on your own. Yeah. Good, bad. That's up to everyone to decide. Um, would I love to be able to be like a venue director for a, a, a venue somewhere? Fuck yeah. Uh, um, but it just doesn't exist in New York. So yeah. I, I appreciate that because I do think there's a little more care when you have someone dedicated to making sure the artists are taken care of. Yes. Um, and it also depends on the venue, right? Because, for example, a, a Club Cafe's creative director, uh, Stevie Cyclone, um, like he has to take care of like hiring DJs and hiring performers. And he has, you know, different rooms. So it's like, it's, it's the smaller room with the piano that usually is like, uh, singing like live singing uh, with piano accompaniment like is that booked is the back club space booked um, uh, yeah and then you have um, you have other nightclubs that work on a nightly basis like for example uh, at Legacy like Carol is the host of Wednesdays Latinx Wednesdays so she uh, alongside the promoters like make a determination of like who who gets to be there, right? And yeah, but then Thursday's a different person is Violencia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Friday's a different uh, people, Men of Melon Magic. And then Saturday's a different person, Bobby Kelly. I don't know if I should be spilling any of this, but whatever, it is, it's out there now. Um, uh, I don't think it's, uh, I think it's the behind the scenes that the, that the people, the patrons don't get to see, but it's kind of mm-hmm. like common knowledge on the scene. Yeah. Um, then you have other shows like, for example, Full Spin, in which uh, you have Magenta, the creator, who does the bulk of the um, hiring, right, right. Um, and curating. Uh, same with other shows like Gobbling Hole and Gay Bashed and um, uh, so many shows, right? Um, any brunches like the um, uh, Drag Me To Brunch or... Uh, Linda's brunch at Ghost Pepper, um, all those places, like the, the host really is the hiring manager is who sure. decides to do the show. So I think in that sense, uh, it's it's uh, com- comparable, but there Absolutely. are venues. There are venues that have like the one person that is uh, is tasked to. Now, the- let's say I'm coming to Boston one night only. I, I want to go to see a show. What's the venue I have to go to? Okay. This is hard. 
<laughs> All right. If you're here on a first, third, or fifth Monday as of today, you're out of luck. There isn't really much drag to see. Okay. If you're here second or fourth Mondays, uh, the drag stroll at Jacques Cabaret, it's an open stage. It's really, really fun. Uh, very talented group of performers. There's also, and that's second and fourth Mondays, but there's also like an every other Monday drag trivia by Missy Steak at A4Cade. So because it's every other Monday for Missy's and it's second and fourth for the stroll, half of the year, it happened on the same night. And then the other half of the year, like when there's a fifth Monday, then, oh, okay. All right. Now it's a different night. So um, that depends. Tuesdays, Tuesday shows, um, the drag gauntlet, if there's a season going on, season six is starting real, real soon. Um, high key, if it's going on as well. So the drag gauntlet is like a drag competition uh, with like a standard style, takes uh, a lot of inspiration from RuPaul's Drag Race and Survivor, um, including a bunch of unnecessary twists. This and a lot of drama, a lot of drama. Thanks, Emmy Great, for always telling us what <laughs> drama is. I'm like, chill with the twists. Anyways, she knows that. I love her. Uh, she does. <laughs> she does a great job in in. I mean, it's the sixth season. Uh, it's such a successful show. She runs a really tight ship. Uh, so I'm very proud of them. And then Patty Beret does high key, and she also does karaoke every Tuesday. Uh, drag karaoke at. Um, Jacques Cabaret with Rhonda and Foxy, who are lovely, lovely people, um, really fun uh, drag queens. I think they live in New Hampshire and they drive down. Um, cool. Wednesdays, uh, every Wednesday, uh, Zatino Wednesday at Legacy, and that's uh, for like the unks, bunks, bunks crowd with a little bit of like salsa, merengue, bachata, but it's like it's very that. It's like, a, mm. yeah. Um, uh, and then Thursdays, you have Discoteca at Club Cafe, uh, Club Cafe which is another okay. Latin night. Um, and I like to say, like, um, Discoteca is, you will hear more of the deep cuts that your mom put on when you were cleaning at 9 a.m. on a Saturday. All like, right. that's the music. Like, it's going to take you to a point on your life and you just want to get up and grab a broom and dance uh but instead of grabbing a broom you grab somebody else with consent hopefully um serve thursdays also happens so that's the two great options um fridays uh there is a lot of uh possibilities on fridays you have uh an all trans drag show at Jacques Cabaret. So Jacques Cabaret, I mentioned it a lot, is one of the very few venues that we have left in Boston where there is drag almost every day of the mm -hmm. calendar year. Um, it's been around, it's been a queer venue since the 19, well, it's been a gay venue since the 1940s and slowly becoming a queer inclusive sure. venue. And um, yeah, it, this is the first time that uh, it's an all trans cast on a Friday. It's more like a bachelorette kind of crowd, mm -hmm. um, but it's a lot of fun. Um, Destiny is so talented, so it's Candace Persuasion. Um, Fridays is also uh, Buzz Down at Legacy, uh, Mental in Magic with DJ Frenchie. Um, and this is a night, so there really isn't a night, or there wasn't a night, a club night in a nice club with nice things 
by black people for black people and buzz down is that place so it's a really great uh a really great night uh and frenchy kills it always so it's great and saturday saturday there's so many brunches um and night shows as well um I really enjoy going to Laugh Boston. Um, I happen to be part of that roster, but I like to go even when I'm not performing because it's really fun. They have a camera person following you as you perform and then your face is on the big screen. So I get to live my VMA fantasy when I'm performing there. It's there great. it is. Um, and then Sundays... Uh, well, I mean, there's there are some other shows. Okay, there's other shows that don't happen on a, like a day basis, like uh, Gay Bash and Full Spin, Goblin Hole. Uh, there's many burlesque shows, like um, oh, blah, 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 like David Booby and um, uh, Nicky Luparelli does a lot of shows as well, um, especially around Halloween time in Salem. I mean, follow Miss Diamond Wigfall if you happen to be in Salem. Like, she has so many shows in Salem, too. She used uh, to go here. Really? Yeah, she used to be a New York girl. <gasps> really? Yeah, Miss. I love, love, love Miss Diamond. Uh, and then, um, yeah, come to Full Spin. I love Full Spin. Here's my kitty. Want to say something? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, you have competed in a competition or two and um you might have a title or two like mixed gay boston 2022 as well as the winner of worcester drag wars cycle one yes what's it like to be a winner i don't know i haven't won anything oh i bet you've won something in your life i have but not when it comes to nightlife okay fair fair fair. you'll get there you'll get there i can I see so. that in your future miss cleo um being a winner is great <laughs> uh it's great it's it's uh it's a lot of work you have to put a lot of work in and you get the validation of being the winner like that that feels amazing and um it reminds you that you're good Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that you can accomplish things uh yeah i don't know how else to answer this you mentioned drag gauntlet we have the ones you've been a part of why are doing events like this important to a drag career? Well, it pushes you to try new things, especially when you're somebody who doesn't want to try new things like me. It's really hard for me to try new things in drag. So doing competitions helps you with that. But do not sign up for a competition unless you are mentally okay to go home first. Absolutely. The biggest mistake is to sign up for a competition that you're not ready to lose. Because the reality is that there will be more losers than winners. That's true. Statistically. You know? Hey, uh, as a a competition um, producer, I'm fully aware of that. And I wish uh, some contestants would have heard that before they decided. Yeah. It's too iconic. Just process that ahead of time. Because... When yeah. the, from the moment you sign up to a competition to the first show of the competition it's usually at least like a month if not more sure. so process it process it like I'm gonna give it my all but I don't know what these other people are gonna bring so I mm-hmm. could go home first it's true yeah and if you don't then great you know then keep winning 
you have a pretty prolific resume when it comes to producing in Boston. Um, and we'll go through your the just JP roster, but let's <laughs> discuss Gay Bash first. Yes. What is Gay Bash? Ooh, so Gay Bash is the brain love child of Static, um, who is a super talented, young, fresh, uh, uh, risk taker, drag extraordinaire here in Boston. Um, and started, um, they started that night about four-ish years ago, maybe, in many different venues. I may miss some venues. It was like at a Club 222. It's a straight bar that nobody have ever heard of. (laughs) Uh, uh, Bella Luna, not the drag performer. uh, Bella Luna, the venue. Uh, Rest in peace, because that venue closed down. And now it's at the Sinclair, which is um, uh, like a a medium-sized, usually concert venue. Mm-hmm. in uh, Roadrunner, which is a larger uh, venue that's also usually for concerts, and we do dance parties. It's a dance party. We've um, really um, veered after after coming back and doing shows in person. It's a, it's a very young, queer demographic, lots of hyper-pop. We've had people. Uh, we have lists coming up. We've had, uh, wow. Can't remember any other names. I need to Google them. I am not in the hyper pop scene, so I don't know these people. But that's all okay. Of them, all of them have been a joy to work with. Um, and uh, we've had Cupcake. Uh, we have Detox. Like we've had so many amazing performers um, come through Gay Bashed, and it's such a queer dense party time. Why is this party so important for the drag scene and the queer scene in general? I think it's important because it gives a, a safer space for kids between the ages of 18 to 21 to see drag and to come have fun. Um, there isn't a lot of 18 plus parties in Boston. Um, Massachusetts is a very Puritan uh, state in Boston specifically, like our nightlife is like, we have so many rules. We don't have happy hour um our transportation closes at midnight but most shows go beyond that you know so there's so many things Mm -hmm. um so gay bash is really trying to give that space for kids between ages 18 to 21 to have a spot for them where they can come with their friends and have fun and uh, access to community uh support like we have um like COVID monkeypox resources we've had we're gonna have um community care table uh by riot um who's an incredible member of our community who uplifts uh, uh direct support uh so a lot of black uh trans uh people of color uh indigenous people who need money to mm-hmm. survive um and just doing that amplification and just come to party and to dance, you know? Uh, maybe find a vendor, get your tarot cards read. Hopefully I'm not saying that wrong. Um, you know, buying some cute merch and going home with great memories. That's that. why we do Gay Bash, yeah. So you're part of a little show called at Jacques Cabaret called Drag Stroll. What yes. is Drag Stroll? So before quarantine, we had a venue called Machine Nightclub. Mm-hmm. And at Machine, we had All-Star Mondays, uh, which was before before that was Sexy Cool Mondays, I think. 
uh, whatever. Uh, but it was uh, an open stage and it was like the open stage where you would go to to try new things, try drag. And uh, a lot of careers started at All-Star Mondays. So we lost that. Um, so I really wanted, I really wanted to do, to have something like that. I really wanted to have an open stage. I wanted to make it so any door profits would be split among the performers. So yeah, I can guarantee a $50 fee, right? Which is, I feel like the bare, bare, bare minimum for one number. Mm-hmm. Um, bare minimum. Uh, really nobody should be paying that. Uh, you should be getting paid more. Um, but it's a Monday night. It's a Monday night. It was very risky. Uh, so a year ago, I wanted to start uh, an open stage that felt casual and that felt inclusive and that people would come to support. Like they wouldn't just come and support their friends. They would come and yell for everybody and tip everybody. Sure. Um, and I was really out of ideas. So I was like, okay, so instead of a drag race, it's more of a drag stroll because there is no competition, right? We're just yeah. having a leisurely stroll. There is no nature. Well, there are two plants, but it's 21 plus. So you can't walk children in nature at jocks, but that <laughs> mentality, right? It's like, it's chill. We're here to try new things, to support people, to tip people down. And then I really wanted to emphasize that with the word casual. So originally it was just JP's casual drag stroll. I did it. And it's our first anniversary now in September. Yay. Congratulations. Thank you. I did it September 2021 to December 2021 every Monday. And I realized that every Monday was not working because it was too often. Mm-hmm. So not a lot of people would come. Um, I also think the I didn't understand the format. Like it took it, it took those three months to gestate into what it really became after the little break we took a break for the winter like we had the omicron surge in december so i told uh chris torelli a wonderful manager at at jocks i said we're not gonna do this the omicron it's winter no i was also very not happy with how not successful it was so i tapped empty and I said listen like I want to be involved in this but I don't have the energy to devote to a show I had also lost my job um so I did not have the income that I have now sure. again that I have a day job and it wasn't making money I it broke my heart to send people out with ten dollars so I would give them extra for my own pocket Mm-hmm. just be, you know and I, and if I had a job like I was like fine doing that but then I didn't so I was like ooh, you know um but empty really brought the show to the beauty and the success that it is it's now second and fourth Mondays we have so many kings we had uh, the last show we had 22 performers 10 of them were kings amazing um, yeah Amazing, amazing, amazing. So I'm very proud of the work that we're doing. Um, Riot um, is our door person. Um, PJ, uh, DJ PJ, um, we started the night together. Uh, We used to date, we used to be in a relationship. We started that night together and he's a DJ and he's incredible. And there's never been a slip up with music, which I'm like, 
in a year of doing this has always been on top of it and then empty um and then we have our tip people that help like audrey and uh jets so i'm thankful for my community i love it i love that also a chocks no filter <sighs> yes the what no can we expect filter. to see say that again what can we expect to see at no filter oh it's the comeback spelled the filthy way uh with the U and uh, without a C. Anyways, uh, no filters, uh, raunchy night. Well, I like to I, I like to say that the full name of the night is no filter, but that doesn't mean there's no consequences. Like, <laughs> okay. Like the, the night is designed to have special guests and they really can do whatever they want. Usually there's a theme. There's sometimes there's like no theme. For example, the... Uh, first show we're doing on September 25th at Jocks, uh, there's no theme. It's the comeback theme. Uh, so we're just doing, you know, the weirdest no filter numbers. Like, it's like, it's like taking the best things of Brooklyn and the worst things of being a mass hole and putting it in <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's weird and fucked and fun. We're going to play a game. It's called this or that. I'm going to give oh. you two options. You got to pick one. Okay. North or south? Uh, north. Cookies or ice cream? Ice cream. Yes. Cake or pie? Oh, uh, pie. Hands down pie. Beer or wine? Is there vodka? I would pick wine. Subway or bus? I know y'all call the tea. The tea, but... yes. Uh, the tea, Subway. Sorry, buses. Hot or cold? Uh, cold. You can always put more layers on, baby. Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, Star Trek. Hands down, Star Trek. I don't think I've ever seen all of the Star Wars. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't seen all of the Star Trek either, but I think it's different. I like Star Trek. Nicki Minaj or Cardi B? Um, Nikki, uh, all in all, but I'm not a Barb, but I love Nikki. Brittany or Christina? Uh, Christina, next. Beyonce or Rihanna? Beyonce, next. Slater or Cupcake? <laughs> um, so I really hadn't listened to a lot of Slater's music, sorry. And she was so lovely to work with. Um, and Cupcake is like, if no filter was a pop star. Um, mm -hmm. So it's really hard for me to pick, but I know more of Cupcake's music. Uh, okay. And I also watched uh, Cupcake um, on Hot House. Uh, so I have to go with Cupcake. Rory or Lorelai? Oh boy. Um, oh no. I think it's, can you ask me between like Dean and um, Logan? No. Nope, and, we gotta go with yes, Rory and Lorelai. No, both suck. None of them. <laughs> oh. uh, Boston Rob or Sandra Diaz Twine? Oh, Sandra, Queen Stays Queen. And finally, BU students or BC students? Oh, who's going to pay me more for the book? <laughs> yeah, which, who's better? Oh, <laughs> lady doesn't uh, kiss and tell. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, I I'm gonna skip that one. I didn't skip any other. Well, I skipped. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm gonna skip that one. But I'll give you an answer between Rory and Lorelai. I think I would pick Lorelai because I think right. she, I think she was written funnier. I love to go behind the music and learn about my guests signature number what is your signature number and how did it become your signature number um i've had a couple signature numbers through my career i had a uh christopher columbus number early in my career okay uh it was a six minute mega mix of spoken word slash lip sync uh kind of like debunking uh in uh exposing the real story of Christopher Columbus um, that I would perform a lot around Indigenous People's Day, uh, which is also coming up. So I should bring that back. Um, Do it. All of the songs are dated now. I did that mix when Look What You Made Me Do came out. So it's good. Yeah. Everyone um, loves nostalgia. Yeah, I feel like, but I, I don't think that's old enough to be retro yet. In that's a couple fair, years, fair. it will be. Um, and most recently... Oh my God. Okay. I was watching, I think one of the best lip syncs in Drag Race history is Bibi Sahara Benet doing Nobody's Supposed to Be Here against Trixie Mattel on All Stars 3. Okay. And I disagree completely that well, the criticism of that lip sync is that Bibi took her wig off but there was nothing underneath. I mean, Aja says that. It's like, there's no roses, there's no nothing. But it fits the song. Like, nobody's supposed to be here. You know, I I think it was a very, I also am known, I like to say that I'm known for wearing my natural hair out. So Mm -hmm. a reveal to your natural hair can still be a successful reveal. Absolutely. I, I love that song. So I started performing that song because of that. And it became one of my favorite songs to perform. And it's pinned on my Twitter at DragQueenJP. So you can go watch me perform that for uh, UMass Lowell students a couple months ago. It was so fun. When creating your mixes or deciding on numbers, what's your inspiration? I want people to have fun. I want people to be entertained. Um, I want people to... I mean, uh, uh, yeah, it's that Venn diagram of like, are people having fun and do I know the lyrics? Mm-hmm. Honestly. Um, so I just do, I, I choose things that I feel that the audience is going to enjoy seeing me perform to, but if they aren't paying attention to me, it's still enjoyable. Absolutely. Um. I love me. Um, I love to do longer mixes. I love brunches. My favorite mix to perform. Oh my God. One of my favorite performances was at a drag cruise uh, about four and a half years ago. Um, Kirby fully loaded um, and secret queen uh, with one of their friends, I can't remember their name, uh, did a couple cruises and they asked me for one of them and they said, we want two seven minute numbers of the same artist. Obviously I picked Christina. So then I convinced them 
to let me do a 15 minute halftime spectacular. Oh, wow. So I did a 15 minute mix of what I would think Christina should do. Like what, what her Super Bowl should be. Then I did seven songs. I did five out costume changes. It was great. I loved it. So I love long numbers. I love being able to like include three or four different songs and just perform and have fun and be tipped down. One of the biggest events that has become a national acclaimed hit is Full Spin. For the uninitiated, what is Full Spin? Yes, Full Spin, uh, nationally acclaimed. Wow, I'm blushing. Um, Full Spin is a show where we take an album, usually, uh, and we do the start to finish with no interruptions. There's no hosting in between songs. It's basically giving you the experience of watching a live visual uh, drag show to that album from beginning to end. Um, there's been a couple digital full spins that we did kind of like a legacy edition where we did more of like a tribute with their mm-hmm. biggest songs. Because uh, like, how can you pick a wit Like there- Whitney has so many great albums. Like, you know, like Queen has so many great songs. So it's like, it's hard to pick one, you know? So uh, but uh, we've done um, uh, Confessions by Madonna, Bjork. I don't remember the name of the album. Uh, Rhythm Nation, uh, Chromatica, Twice, uh, live and digital. We've done, of course, Britney and Christina, but we've done Nicki Minaj. We've done Kate Bush, Green Day, Shakira, Dua Lipa. Um, we've done Kim Petras, TLC, uh, Queen, I already mentioned that, Beyonce, Rihanna. Uh, so we, uh, Fleetwood Mac, and then Robin as well. And then, um, I'll, I'll spoil it. Um, there hasn't been a Mariah one. So there is a Mariah coming, and I'm very excited for the Mariah um- I would like to be involved. Uh, I'm making a request right now. What I would like is Cher's ABBA album. Cher, we haven't done a Cher album. But the Ab, the ABBA album. So you're getting Cher and ABBA together. Boom. That's that's a smart thing. Um, it's a hard sell because Cher blocked me on Twitter. <gasps> so I don't... I don't wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Full spin is on pause. Why did Cher block you on Twitter? Well... I used to be a keyboard warrior, meaning that I was very passionate about politics digitally, which can be a good thing and can be a bad thing, depending on how you approach it. Um, And Cher was tweeting things along the lines of all lives matter. And I was like, well, you know, and since then, I think that she's listen and she's grown and 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 she understands what the black lives matter movement is and the importance of it but there was that moment many many years ago in which she was like you know like all lives matter like police officers are important too and i was like well black lives matter blah 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 blah. so she blocked me over that um but also like i also want to acknowledge that i wasn't coming from point of well i mean I wasn't thinking, oh my God, I'm going to educate Cher today. It was, it was me being, it was me having a visceral reaction of like, are you kidding me, Cher? Like, please don't get, please come on. Um, And also like, we know Cher's relationship with social media. 
is is unique and um she's i understand why she blocked me she's blocked me okay so maybe maybe Cher's abba album is not going to be for y'all but that's okay (laughs) Okay. um i'll do that Uh, um i'll do my tribute um we won that so the the, full spin is a very successful show but we don't own the format so if you want to do a full spin like show do it if you have an album okay this is the biggest lesson if you have an album and there's enough drag performers interested in performing that album but there's also enough people wanting to watch it that's the team and i feel like there has been some growing pains with full spin because there's some some of the uh artists that we wanted to do a lot of drag performers want to do it but we don't necessarily think that there is the audience for them. That's the key. want to sell seats, you know? I mean, one of, one of the digital shows that I produced was ABBA Palooza. Um, so it was an all ABBA show and it was a lot of fun. There are people who love it. I, Cause I had done a little mix show, ABBA, um, uh, Kylie Minogue and Dolly Parton. Those are the four yeah. tribute shows that I had done. And again, back to your point, I needed to make sure that there were enough people who would be interested in it, but I also had to make sure that it was a diverse cast because yeah. if it wasn't going to be a diverse cast, it wasn't going to happen. One of the ones that I wanted to do absolutely was Celine Dion, but I didn't know anyone really who did Celine Dion that wasn't a white performer because that just happens to be what Celine Dion caters toward. Yeah, of course. Not denying that she's a brilliant artist, but when it comes to curating a show some artists are a little harder than others and i was like you know what i will push celine for another time yes there's a reason we've done whitney but we've not done celine now let's we're not at tea time yet but what is it like working with magenta with a j oh it's a dream what charlie you want to say good things about magenta too um magenta's she's one of my best friends she is dedicated and punctual she does what she says she's going to do she has a vision and is unafraid to go for it and uh having somebody who trusts themselves i as as you know like that is able to ask questions and listen to other people but ultimately like trust themselves in their passion and their talents to be able to do a show like this like it's a joy to work with her you mentioned mariah yes what other albums are on your dream list and what drag artists are on your dream list um well um i mean we're doing renaissance um on the 8th september 8th so check uh act two and three hopefully if they are albums like act one we have to do those i mean ultimately like i really would love to do every single beyonce album that doesn't have like i don't think i would be interested in doing lemonade for example because we already have a visual album for lemonade beyonce so we did b-day before i would love to do dangerously in love i would love to do i am sasha fears we did four um Wait, have we done? B- no, we done. We did four, not B Day. We love to do B Day. Um, we've loved to do Destiny's Child. When we were deciding whether we want to do TLC or Destiny's Child, I was Destiny's Child and Magenta was TLC. That's all I'm gonna say. 
No, it's not tea time yet. Um, there's um, other smaller artists, like in indie artists that I know we will never do a full spin for. Like I would love to do an Omara Funi um, full spin or a Lisa Levy uh, full spin. I would love to do a Misha B full spin, but Misha B doesn't even have an album out. So yeah, uh, there's some, uh, you know, a Patti Bure full spin would be great. <laughs> Music is universal and it brings people together and helps give a little insight on a person. And in this game, we are going to create a playlist of nine songs that are the soundtrack to your life. Welcome to JP's ultimate playlist. Yes. So I'm going to give you a prompt and you have to give me a song that fits it. Yes. I love song that reminds you of Boston. Um, a song that reminds me of Boston um oof uh okay this is hard i think i'm gonna say okay it doesn't remind me of boston i'm gonna cheat a little um but it reminds me of p-town which is boston adjacent okay. um, sure. and p-town is a wonderful place if you're able to afford it so i think that my song is maybe i'm coming out okay a song that reminds you of summer. Oh, um, Ella Henderson, uh, or it's Sigma featuring Ella Henderson, Glitterball. A song that reminds you of your best friend. Um, hmm, which one? Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say, oof, this is hard. Oh, this is hard. Um, Oh no, I don't like this one. Uh, I have to save that song because I know this category is going to come up. Okay, what song? What song? Can we come back to that one? Okay, fine. Okay, thank Um, you. A song that reminds you of family. Oh, that's worse. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A song that reminds me of family. Uh, More Than That by Backstreet Boys. Because that was the song that my dad was like, that's a good song. And I'm like, (laughs) thanks. A song that makes you happy. Happy Face by Destiny's Child. A song that reminds you of your favorite vacation. Oh, uh, yes. Okay, yes. But which one of that album? I went to New Orleans. Ooh. And... It was the day that our pop leaked. Uh oh. Ooh. That's <laughs> what are you going with? But I also had a trip to New York, and it was the day that Anastasia's album came out, um, Resurrection. So I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to say Pendulum by Anastasia. A song that gets you in the mood to party. Um, Black Parade by Beyonce. A song from your favorite concert. Oh, my favorite concert. Oh. What's been my favorite concert? My favorite concert has been... (gasps) Oof. I don't know. I realize I'm not a concert person because I go to concerts not to have fun. I go to look at the production and see what I can learn from it. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I had Andrew, one of my friends, we went to the Chromatica Ball just a couple weeks ago. And he was like standing next to me. He was like crying, bawling his eyes out. And I was like, with my hands crossed, like just like looking at everything, like not realizing that my friend was having a moment. Um, oof. Okay. So Lady Gaga, uh, I mean, recency bias, I don't care. Lady Gaga at the Chromatica Ball did a hundred doves on the piano. So it would be that. Um, all right, let's go back to a song that reminds you of your best friend before we go to the final question. Okay, I'm going to say Happiness by Alexis Jordan. And all this right. is a song that me and my friend Wendy back from El Salvador used to sing all the time. We were obsessed with that song. And finally, the song that made you who you are. Which is the song that would play on the credits of my movie, and that is More to Life by Stacey Orico. Love it. All right. We're going to play another game. If you are not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price, but each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. Uh-huh. We're going to do the drag edition. So we got Ooh. some 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 drag race, dragula contestants. Are you ready? Okay. It's mega edition. Hopefully you know everybody. Hopefully. Latrice Royale or Manila Luzon? Who would cost more? Yep. Manila would cost more. That's correct. She's $200. Latrice is $145. Ooh, okay. Sharon Needles or Chad Michaels? Um, I don't know how hip is Chad Michaels with the monetization of messages. Ooh. Uh, and I don't know who wants to buy a Sharon Needles message, so I'll say... Chad Michaels is more expensive. It's actually, Sharon Needles at $100. Chad Michaels is $75. Okay, okay. Next, we have Tammy Brown or Jade Sotomayor. Um, I think Tammy will charge more. That's correct. So she's $60. Jade is $25. Gotcha. Shangela or Eureka. Oh, okay. They're both pretty pretty up there in the hierarchy of drag race royalty um i think shangela would charge more trick question 150 both of them oh really i just well i didn't see shangela but shangela was at the chromatica show and i know i know anyways yeah insane morgan mcmichaels or vivacious um i'll say I'll say Morgan because I know Vivacious is more accessible with her fans, especially because she does a lot of Twitch. So I'll say Morgan. It is Morgan. She is $40. Vivacious is $36. There you go. Next we have Silky Nutmeg Ganache or Cornbread. Um, I think Cornbread should be charging more. Cornbread is at $100. Silky, $300. No way. Really? Yes. Wow. Next we have something Wong or Charity Case. Um hmm. Uh uh I'll say I'll I'll say charity. Charity case is 55, something Wong 150. Oh wow, good for you, something. Blue hydrangea or the Vivian. Oh, that's hard. Oh, that's hard. Is the first winner of UK and the first winner of the world. Uh, oof. Is this another tie thing? No, this okay. one is not. This one is not. Okay. 
Uh, I'll say I think the Vivian would charge more. It is the Vivian. She is one hundred dollars. Blue hydrangea fifty. Blue. I know, right? Next up, Kitty Scott Claus or Teresa May. Oh, uh, oof, oof. Uh, ch- ch- uh, Kitty? Uh, it is Kitty. It is Kitty. Kitty. She is 65. Teresa is 50. Mm-hmm. Scarlet Harlot or Victoria Scone? Uh, I think Victoria charges It more. is Victoria. She's 52. Scarlet is 40. Next, we have Karen from Finance or Anita Wiglet. Oh, I mean, I uh, just name recognition. I think I think Karen would get away with charging more. It is Karen. She is at eighty dollars. Anita is sixty nine. Sensible sixty nine. Nice. Um, from this season's uh, Down Under, Hannah Conda or Spanky Jackson. I don't know either of them. All right, all right. It is Hannah Conda. She is fifty dollars. <laughs> Spanky Jackson's forty. Uh, oh. Next, we have Jimbo or Pangina Heels. Oh. Uh... Pangina, uh, Pangina, hopefully. No, Jimbo. Oh. It's got to be Jimbo, isn't it? It is Jimbo at eighty dollars. Pangina sixty. Wow. Okay. Um, are you watching? You're not watching uh, Canada three. I'm not. Okay. Okay. We'll skip these these two. Um, Chelsea Boy or Cedergine? Uh, Cedergine. It is Cedergine. She's fifty nine. Chelsea Boy is fifty. Mm-hmm. Battle of the Hosts: Brooklyn Heights or Nikki Doll? Oh, Brooklyn. Trick question. They're both a hundred. They're both a hundred. Okay. 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 James Mansfield or Nasha Lopez? James Mansfield. It is James. A hundred dollars. Nasha is fifty. All right. We're gonna skip over to Dragula. We have Erica Clash or Victoria Elizabeth Black. Uh, VEB. It is. She is forty dollars. Erica is twenty-five. Yeah. Bitter Betty or Yovska. Uh. Uh, I don't keep up with Bitter Betty, so I'll say Yovska. Actually, Bitter Betty, she is $50. Yovska is $25. Okay. Next, we have the winners, Landon Sider or Vander Van Odd. I think Vander charges more. Actually, Landon at $65. Vander is $60. Okay. And, and finally, she's the queen of the universe. How much can you get a Grag Queen cameo for? Who I think is probably going to end up posting Drag Race Brazil. Wait, I did not understand the question. <laughs> How much sorry. can you get a cameo from Grag Queen for? Oh, Queen of the Universe. Oh, God, I got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, until Jujubee was kicked off. Um, spoiler alert. Um, I think she charges maybe 150 25 bucks. Y'all get it now before she becomes super duper duper famous. Yeah, do it. How important is social media in nightlife? Oh, it's so important. Like your, your social media, whatever, whatever version of social media you choose, whether you're a TikTok queen or an Instagram queen or a Twitter queen, um, whatever social media you prefer, that is the equivalent of your LinkedIn. That is yep, where yep. people are going to go see what you're made of and what can you do? What looks can you serve? And hopefully like you post perform, if you perform, like you post performances and people can see like the caliber of your drag. It is so important. Are rivalries natural in nightlife? Um, yes, I think that it's a game of politics, and uh, as every game of politics, they w- there will be rivalries. Is drag political? 
in many ways, not just not just literally, but also figuratively in terms of um, it's a scene like it's 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 uh, there like each drag scene is a political entity of their own. Like there is their do's and don'ts and the, the, the unspoken rules that, you know, if you're an outsider, you may not know it is political in many ways. We keep watching drag become political targets from attacks about morality when it comes to kids attending drag shows or even drag story hour. What is it about drag that it's scaring these people and how can we squash it? Well, um, okay. What type of, uh, do you want the honest answer or do you want the hopeful answer? (laughs) Give me the one that your heart's telling you. Okay. Uh, The hopeful answer is that there will be a time in which uh, there will be a time in which people are taught to think, not what to think. Mm -hmm. And when that comes, uh, there's going to be more space for truth. And there's going to be more space to realize that the vast majority of drag performers are aware enough, smart enough, talented enough, cautious enough, moral enough to understand their audiences and to cater to those audiences in the best way possible. And uh, we reject those who do fucked up things. Like if, yeah. if you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing, like at least my community, my clique, at least my clique, my community here, like, like we're, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna say something, we're gonna do something about it, you know? Um, give you the opportunity to change, give you the opportunity to, to be better. But also if you don't want to change, if you don't want to be better then you know, there's consequences for the actions that you're taking. Absolutely. So I think that um, there will be a time in which uh, drag performers will be seen as people first and as drag performers later. I love that. What makes Boston nightlife special? Uh, that, uh, what makes Boston Nightlife special? That we are we are frequently overlooked by larger shows and platforms, and we we just have so much talent. Like it's just so talented. Um, I I mean. I don't want to think of the drag scene in Boston as like, you know, like who, if everybody in Boston was cast in a season of drag race, like, I don't, I don't think of filler people, you know, I feel like there's, there's so many unique, talented individuals that it's just, it's just so compelling. Um, I really love it. And I just wish we had more opportunities to show that more paid opportunities to show that. Well, Maybe get to talk about some of these stars as we talk through tea time. Everyone's favorite hey. game. You are going to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, friends, colleagues, brothers, people you love, people you hate, people you've taken a photo with, people you've done a gig with, people you've competed with. I don't know. We're going to find out the tea on it. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm sure I've missed a couple names, so don't at me if you were not included. But let's okay. start. Ms. Diamond Wigfall. Um... 
I didn't know the breadth of her vocal ability until I saw her basically do what you do in New York. It's a, it's a two-hour show by herself, and it's, it's great, and she's so sweet. But I think, like, you know that if you go to one of her shows. Um, she's as pretty in real life as she's in her photos. It's, it's, it's pretty great. Uh, I'm okay. like, you go, girl. Like, this is not false advertisement. Next up, Lily Rose. <gasps> Lily Rose! Um, she is... Ooh, Lily Rose. Um, she's absorbing the best parts of drag from very legendary people. And she's smart enough to discard the things that she should discard. All right, next up, Rusty Hammer. He should have a Twitter. Rusty should have a Twitter. Okay, hashtag get Rusty on Twitter. There Rusty it is. Hummer. Rusty Hammer, listen, Twitter is a lot of fun. I know it can be um, intimidating because anybody can say anything, you know what I mean? But there are communities in Twitter that uh, are waiting for you and welcoming you with open arms. Um, so you should get on Twitter. It's fun there. Next, Chris Knievel. Chris Knievel is, um, ooh, T on Chris. Um, long pregnant pause. <laughs> Chris Knievel is uh, somebody who I believe is a good person that has really bad habits. All right. Amanda play with. Oh, fucking whore. Um, I don't know if she still does that, but she used to be uh, or is like a teacher. And I'm like, why are you teaching? Like, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not kidding. Uh, but I know, I know. I It took me a while to understand that the stupid persona of Amanda play with doesn't translate to who Amanda is out of drag. Uh, it took me a while to understand that and to be in on the joke. Next up, Charisma, Geneva, Jackson T. Oh my God, Charisma has given me so many clothes um, that I actually have, I actually use like out of drag uh, and uh, has helped me expand the horizons of, of, of what I feel comfortable wearing uh, when I am JP, and I'm so thankful for that. Super, super sweet. Next we have Didi DeRay. Didi! Um, Didi carries like hundreds of pounds of equipment for every single of her big brunches. And it's just dedication that it goes beyond many other people in the scene um i was dumbfounded i was i was flabbergasted when i heard that she had arrived at the venue at 8 a.m to set up the sound system i'm like what are you talking about but she does it in drag and looks fabulous i love that next champagne i love me some chamois uh champagne 
Well, we live together, so I have a lot of things that I cannot say. <laughs> um, but I'll say uh, about Champagne is that she's been overlooked. She's been overlooked a lot. And she really is one of the people that showed everybody in the scene, in the Boston scene, that bearded drag is not just valid, but it's also fucking amazing. And I don't yeah, think yeah. she gets the flowers that she deserves because of that. Next, we have Audrey Hartburn. Oh, my baby, my stroll baby, um, team stroll. Um, I am very confident uh, seeing her compete on season six of The Gauntlet. All right. Harley Queen. Oh, my God. Oh, they are so hot. They are, like, so hot. Candy Dish. They are not hot. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> uh, Candy Dish is... Uh, I would say to Candy Dish that... Um, there is a lot of good that comes from separating Candy Dish, the producer, and Candy Dish, the drag artist, mm-hmm. and to uh, explore, and Candy Dish, the person, and to explore more of those silos. I feel like it would be a. I, I think I've told her that also. Like, so this is not like news to her. Um, but yeah, she's like. Yeah, incredible producer, incredible performer, incredible person. It's just, you know, keep not everything applies to everything you do. Next up, Coleslaw. Oh, um, Coleslaw. We recorded a podcast that I never edited, and I feel so bad. I feel so, (laughs) so bad. No, 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 no. Um, Coleslaw, when, when Coleslaw told me that she was doing Camp Wanakiki season four, I was very excited and I gave her a lot of, I felt like things that she already knew, but advice nonetheless, I'm like, this is what I, this is what I think you should do. And, uh, and then I failed hair, like we recorded that and I just never edited and I feel so bad. I'm really sorry, Coleslaw. I feel so bad. Like it's, it's embarrassing. It really is. All right, let's take a journey to Baratica. Patty Beret. Patty Beret. Um, Patty Beret. I I also think she's really hot. Like Patrick. Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, so so hot. Um, and um, I think that I think the difference between Patty Beret. And Trixie Mattel is that Trixie Mattel has had the opportunity to have a platform to catapult her into superstardom. And I hope that Patty Bure is able to find that same platform. I'm here for it. Very talented. Mm-hmm. All right. Another talented artist, Neon Calypso. Neon. Uh, oh, Neon, Neon, Neon. Uh, T, T about Neon. Um, we just we understand each other like with the look or or with the sound um and it's just it's yeah it's great to be around neon to work with neon um uh but tea about neon ooh 
I don't think I'm not, I've been really nice. I really not spilled a lot of tea. <laughs> um, but I think uh, the tea that I'll spill about Neon is that uh, through and through, she's fair. Like if Neon is mad at you or if Neon has issues with you or has beef with you, like so far I've never, I've not found, I'm not saying that she can't be wrong, but so far I don't find her that she's ever been wrong. I love that about a person. I'm here for it. Yeah. All right, next up, Valencia. Bye. Um, Vi keeps me medicated. Um, her exclamation edibles are just, they're so good. Uh, oh, now I gotta go to Boston to try one. Hello. Um, I gave an exclamation edible. Oh, well, she's not gonna be in the list, but I'm still gonna spill some tea about her. Um, Meatball was in town and she was staying at my apartment. Mm -hmm. And we gave her an exclamation edible and that made like it, she was passed out. And she's like, I slept so well on that horrible inflatable mattress. (laughs) Hey, that sounds like the best review ever. Yes. Great. Great. I I, I love me some Vi and some exclamation edibles. All right. Let's round this one out with Magenta. Magenta is, um, wow, what can I, okay, what can I spell about Magenta that she will not kill me, but I want to give something salacious. Um, <laughs> I, oh my God, I really don't know what to say. Uh, Magenta is uh, such a, she's such a doll. I love, well, maybe not that word. Uh, she's a, she's a, uh, she's she's an AI that runs empathy.exe very often. And I love her for that. What do you do in your time off? I sit down in this couch that's right next to me. And I put usually a rerun of something. And okay. I doom scroll on my phone. And I just disconnect i i disconnect that, like to me that's fun to be home with my cat in an environment that i enjoy whether it's you know with the little ac or with the little heat or with the little weed which is my vice of choice um i just i just, i love my cat i love being at home my cat and playing with that little one thingy and have him like run around and he loves playing with aluminum foil balls oh my god okay soccer player with them so (laughs) so that's what i do for fun i uh realized recently that i am an extra i know i am an introvert that really cosplays as an extrovert like just jp as the drag persona like i do a lot of masking i'm not that extroverted like Okay, I would just, say I'm the same. I, I understand that. Yeah, you're like, I'm going to be super extroverted for the pod. And then the moment the camera, you know, turns off, the moment I put down my phone, I'm like, I just want to be with my dog, with your dog. You have dogs, right? I got two dogs. Yeah. yeah. You're like, I just want to cuddle with my dogs, right? It's true. Yeah. What is your signature dance move? <laughs> it used to be the confetti cannon. I don't really have dance moves. Um, I love doing, um, turning on the right moment. And I feel like a lot of people don't know when to turn. Mm -hmm. I also like 
thinking about lip syncing like part of her choreography and not like learning the lyrics to a song I think lip syncing when you really know a song well your mouth is going to move automatically absolutely your muscles in your mouth know where to go um which is kind of like singing too like when you know a song and you have sing it so much then like your diaphragm and your throat and like everything you know will just just fall into place and you just have to be a little aware of it to make sure that you're you know not doing it wrong um I don't really have a signature dance move I really don't I can I mean my my legs have atrophied to a point that I, I can't I can't even do the the slut drop that Christina Aguilera did uh, and put in the map in dirty video. Like I can't, I used to be able to do that. Um, Yeah. I don't have a signature dance move. That's all right. That's all right. All right. If you had to pick one Boston drag artist to be your partner on the amazing race, who would it be? Now, obviously it's probably not going to be Violencia because she didn't jump out of a plane. So (laughs) use wisely. No, I'll tell you why it wouldn't be Valencia because Valencia is not great with like physical directions on a map. Okay, fair, fair. So, so who, not... who's your partner going to be? Uh, I think I'm going to pick. Ooh, this is hard. Uh, don't overthink it, JP. Who would you pick from the scene to go to the Amazing Race with? Um, oh, he doesn't do drag, so that's kind of like cheating. Like I would take my friend Andrew, but from drag scene, I would take. Um, God, everybody would suck for so many different reasons. <laughs> um, like I wouldn't take Patty because I feel like if I feel like it would be it would be the battle of the singers. Like I am the singer of the group, can't sing. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, like I can't take Magenta because I feel like uh, I feel like it would be, we wouldn't match well in that um, of a cutthroat strategy moment. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh. Um, I wouldn't pick champagne because she's always late. So it would be eliminated. Um, I don't know. I don't know who would pick. Oh, Sham is going to kill me for that one. Um, I don't know who to pick. Oh, shoot. Who would pick? I, I would pick. I think I would pick Empty. I feel okay. like MT, I, I feel like Empty and I know, understand each other. He's very logical uh, and a, a cool person to be around with. Yeah. I got a fan corner question from Amanda Masker. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Did you ever get Magenta to get pupusas with you? No, we haven't. And the reason is that there are many things in Magenta's and I friendship that we have in common. Mm -hmm. But um, going out to eat has not been an activity that we both do with each other. Uh, We did that once in P-Town, but we really are more of a stay in and like, you know, dish the hot gauze by the fake, fi- or well, by the fire pit. I was going to say fake fireplace, but by the fire pit that she actually has, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But soon. 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 Well, I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question, and this is a question from Hannah's Drag Race to superstar Adriana. Yes. Oh my God. Um, I know this is probably not the way she intended it, but since I haven't released her episode yet, you don't know the answer to that. But for we'll we'll make it work for you here. Yes. What was your favorite part of this interview? My favorite part of this interview uh, was, oh my God, that you know exactly when to move the conversation along. 
Um, I feel very comfortable in going to a tangent and knowing that you're always going to be able to like pull me back and keep me. Thank you. And I feel just comfortable in saying things. I said some things that I, on retrospect, I'm like, oh my God, hopefully like, hopefully Chris Knievel doesn't listen to this. Um, (laughs) But I hope everybody else does. Just don't send it to her. Um, Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question. And it can be about anything you would like it to be. I think I'm going to ask them... um, Ooh, okay. I don't want to get too political, but maybe a little. Um, I want to ask them if they know what ranked choice voting is. And if they do not know, I would encourage them to look it up. Very, very good question. I mean, we don't need to get into the politics of it, but we've just seen what happened in Alaska and how important sometimes ranked choice voting could be but then when you get to the uh, mayor of new york we realize oh fuck we don't want ranked choice uh voting so i mean has its pros it has its cons that's called democracy yes a spade can cut your enemy but also your ally it's true oh eric adams (laughs) all right we love to expand the podcast and family here who would you like to hear an interview on block talk i would love to hear an interview with akira oni okay akira oni is uh, uh they used to live here in boston um akira just moved to somewhere in the midwest oops i'm sorry um, we're all the same yeah yeah uh <laughs> but um yeah akira has a great point of view in a, uh, in regards of drag they incorporate a lot of like virtual reality to it. And I would love to hear more about, you know, Akira's uh, point of view um, about the many things that you talk in the podcast about. Amazing. Well, I'll definitely reach out. Just JP, where are we finding you on social media, Venmo and throw out your plugs one more time. Yes. Thank you so much. I, I'm found in social media everywhere under at drag queen JP because I am a drag queen and my name is JP. It's drag queen JP. Easy to remember. That is also my Venmo uh, and my PayPal, PayPal, no, paypal.me slash drag queen JP. Yay. And uh, yeah, I'm around. Just follow me. It's fun. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. A huge thanks to Just JP for coming on. Subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.